Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. If your brain is not functioning at its best, then check out what the team at vlight.com do. Now, vlight produces photobiomodulation devices. Now, your brain function depends largely on the health of the energy sources of the brain cells, in other words, the mitochondria. And research has shown that stimulating your brain with near-infrared light revitalizes mitochondria. I use these devices daily for both my own optimal brain function and also for other age-related decline issues and also for my mum's brain rehabilitation after her aneurysm and stroke. So check out what the team do at vilight.com, that's V-I-E-L-I-G-H-T.com and use the code TAMITY at checkout to get 10% off any of their devices. Oh my gosh, you guys are in for the biggest and most amazing interview ever. I have Dr. Cabran uh, Charpik to guest in a moment. Now, he is a staff physician at the Amen Clinics uh, in America in Seattle. And this interview is about his book, uh, Concussion Rescue, which just came out in January. Um, absolutely fascinating man with amazing information if you have any problem with your brain if you've ever had a traumatic brain injury a concussion if any of your loved ones have if you're worried about dementia if you're worried about alzheimer's or the future of your brain health and who shouldn't be everybody should be interested in that then you must must listen to this amazing interview i got so much out of this and it, it ratified a lot of the things that i've been doing with my mum and her journey and gave me some new ideas too. So really excited for this interview. I hope you enjoy it. Now over to Dr. Charpik. Well, hi everyone, Lisa Tamati here at Pushing the Limits. It's fantastic to have you all back again. I really appreciate your loyalty. And this week I have a very special guest all the way from Seattle in America, Dr. Kabran Charpik. Dr. Charpik, welcome to the show. Hey, it's an honor to be here with you, Lisa. It's fantastic. When um, uh, one of the one of your assistants reached out to me to see if you had come on my show, and so, uh, I was just so excited when I read the outline of your new book, Concussion Rescue, which we're going to dive into today, because it was like, oh, finally, finally, someone's put this together. <laughs> a doctor has put this all together in a book that the layperson can understand. So. Dr. Charpik, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and where you work um, and mm -hmm. this amazing new book, Concussion Rescue? So I'm a naturopathic physician, and which if, if your listeners are not sure what that is, it's looking at treating the whole person, looking at treating the cause versus symptoms. It's, that's the philosophy of naturopathic medicine and the training in some ways is similar, some ways different to conventional MDs or medical doctors where we have the basic sciences, but then we have the ologies, oncology, gastroenterology, nutrition, exercise, all of that. So that's kind of my background and training. I work at Amen Clinics, which mm. is based on Dr. Amen's work. And he's a psychiatrist, been doing this for 30 years. And 30 years ago, he said, instead of just talking to people, I need to look at their brains. This is what, who they are. And so, he started imaging people's brains with a type of scan called SPECT, S-P-E-C-T, single photon emission computed tomography. It's kind of like a CT scan, 
but it's looking at functional aspects. So how is the brain working? And so we have this huge database of scans, 150,000 scans. When patients come in, we can compare their scans to the database. We can do research. And um, so part of our evaluation is looking at the brain versus just talking. And I love doing labs. I love doing a really comprehensive workup and then individualizing people's treatment plans. Um, that's what gets me excited every day coming to work. And I work in Seattle, as you mentioned. Um, live here with my wife and three kids. And um, I love uh, running and being outdoors and, and, uh, and then doing this work. And I, and I wrote the book Concussion Rescue because, Lisa, there's a silent epidemic. And, you know, I say that because there are three million people, at least in the U.S., who go to the ER every single year who have had a brain injury concussion, which is a form of mild traumatic brain injury. And they, there's not a lot of solutions and options yeah. for them. Mm. And so in, in my 12 years working in mental health, I'd say that brain injury is a major cause of mental illness, yet no one's talking about it. Yeah. And it's minimized. Um, and there's sort of, we think that there's nothing you can do. Absolutely. So a silent epidemic. So what I find interesting is that if you talk to a lot of people and you ask them, you know, have you had a brain injury? If they come, you know, um, I get mm -hmm. to talk to a lot of people because of my background with story with mum. And a lot of people will go, no, no, I haven't, I'm, I haven't had a brain injury. And then you go, are you sure you haven't had a brain injury? <laughs> <laughs> Most of us have had something along the way. And, and it could be a long way back, even in our childhood, where we you know, got knocked out on the jungle gyms or uh, we, you know, took a hit yes. to the head in some, some way, shape or form. And um, most people have had some sort of brain injury that has left a lasting effect. And people aren't aware of this, are they, generally? No, it's, it's a myth that, um, uh, you know, you have to lose consciousness to have had a brain injury wow. or that you have to have gone to the ER to have a brain in injury, or because I had my helmet on, I couldn't have had a brain injury. A helmet just protects the skull, you know? A, a, even whiplash, not hitting your head, can cause a brain injury. Um, and so a, a, a brain injury or a concussion is defined as like a, a hit to the head or an acceleration, deceleration, meaning like a really fast jolt to the head, like whiplash. Um, is enough to shake the brain inside the skull and cause injury. If you have any change in mental status, like feeling, seeing stars, mm -hmm. that's enough to damage the brain. The brain is soft like butter, and the skull is hard like a rock with many bony ridges. And it's easy for the brain to be damaged because of that. It's like we're not designed to hit our heads at all, yet we do, and it's cumulative. So we try and ask people who come to the clinics at least 10 times like you said it's perfect it's like are you sure have you ever <laughs> fallen out of a tree have you ever dove into a shallow pool um have you ever had a car accident have you ever played contact sports yeah. i had a patient yeah. we can call him jeremy who uh when he was 21 he came to see me and he had been suicidally depressed since he was 14. wow and he was this scrawny kid he was the jazz drummer really neat kid um but he was smoking pot every day to feel better. He had um, 
girlfriend who was, was very, very poor relationship. She was mean to him. He needed to end the relationship. Just couldn't do it. Didn't feel strong. And uh, when he came to see us, we scanned his brain and it was clear he had had an injury. Yet on his history, his intake, there was no evidence of brain injury. He had never said that he had had a brain injury. And so I asked him, have you ever fallen out of a tree? Have you ever dove into a shallow pool, fallen off a horse, off a bike? No, no, no. I said, have you ever played contact sports? And his mother who was with him said, oh yeah, you did start playing football when you were age 13-ish. Wow. And he was matched against the coach's son who was six feet tall and he was like this scrawny little kid. He just kept getting uh, hit really hard and had headaches. And um, wow. he uh, had, that's when his depression and suicidal thoughts started. He was also diagnosed with ADD. And he had tried every class of medication and tried all kinds of therapy, hypnosis, EMDR, CBT, all these really great therapies and been referred by a great therapist that I knew. And so when we put him on a program to heal his brain, after a couple of months, his symptoms of depression lifted. Yep. And two, two years later, now fast forward, he's this spring he's going to be graduating from the Berkeley School of Music for jazz drumming, stop smoking pot. So he's doing it. So some people have concussions and brain injuries. It's clear they're not healing. Yes. Then there's people who have some other issue. And if you think back, it may be actually due to a brain injury. You didn't realize. Yeah, it is. You know, um, I, I just had a question that popped up in my head when you were telling that story. Is even things like having um, low blood pressure or adrenal fatigue, you know, where you stand up too quickly and you, and the, you get stars in your eyes for a few seconds, or, you know, mm -hmm. um, is, do, is even that doing any damage to our heads, to our brains? It, it can do a little bit. You mean like that, that low blood pressure thing? Because yeah. you can. You no, know, you stand up or you have a bit of adrenal fatigue. Yeah. That, that, that diastolic right. pressure doesn't come up when you stand up. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that transient, that transient, um, decrease in blood flow to the brain can be damaging. Um, I mean, you'll even pass out eventually. Some yeah. people do yeah. because it's so, the, it's such a shock to the brain. Um, but it's transient. So hopefully, you know, you, you put your head down, you, you get blood flow again. It's short enough that it's not going to do anything permanent. But um, repeat, low blood pressure is a problem. Mm. You know, we, the, the brain needs blood flow. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm asking selfishly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Very common. Yeah, very low blood pressure and have that problem often when I stand up, especially in the evenings and when I've been a bit stressed out and tired, I notice that I get up and I'm like, whoa, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wondered if that, you know, that temporary lack of blood flow could be a, yeah. could be a damaging as well. Yeah, I don't think it's good, but I don't think it's causing permanent damage as long <laughs> as you address it. Put your head down, sit down, relax, lay down. Yeah. Look, now, Dr. Carver, uh, I wanted to actually dive into the book a little bit and, and actually work okay. through a couple of the things. Mm -hmm. Now, with the, my listeners know my story with my, my mum. Well, hopefully they do. Most of them would know. And I've got a book coming out too next month on uh, uh, Relentless. Congratulations. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it, you know what's really exciting? When I look through your book, a lot of the things that you've written in this book I've done to survivability <laughs> and being in New Zealand and I didn't have access to things like spec scans um, mm -hmm. and, and, and a lot of the fancy stuff, but yeah. I've 
what I could. One of the biggest mm-hmm. pieces of the puzzle for me was hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Mm. Um, and I've had a couple of experts on the show. Dr. Scott Scher, um was one of those um, on hyperbaric and how powerful this can be for people with brain injuries. Um, so let's start with hyperbaric. What's okay. on, on hyperbaric? Is, is that a part yeah. of If I had one magic bullet, I can only do one thing to heal someone's brain, it would be hyperbaric oxygen. Wow, yep, total agreement. See it? (laughs) It's, uh, and listeners probably know, but it's hyperbaric oxygen is a chamber under pressure, and it pushes oxygen to the deeper structures that haven't been able to heal. And just like a diver has the bends, they go up too fast, they go in this chamber at higher pressures, this is low low pressure over time. So like, 40 hours, 80 hours, 120 hours. Um, And I actually was able to participate in a quick study, uh, a pilot study with Zachary Leistead. And he was a high school athlete who had um, second impact syndrome. So he he was put in, I think he was about 14 or so. He was playing football, got hit, went out, went back in, said, I'm fine coach, put me back in, got hit again, massive brain bleed afterwards in a coma for months, not able to walk and talk, and he had to relearn that. And so his parents were huge advocates of that. And that's why we have the Zachary Leistead law or some version of it in every state in the US where if if an athlete is suspected of having uh, a concussion, they have to be taken out and assessed by a medical professional before they can be put back in again. When in not every state has a seatbelt law yet surprisingly (laughs) (laughs) so i was able to do a hyperbaric oxygen study with this motivated kid who was recovered a lot but not fully and um we did 40 sessions of hyperbaric before and after and of course it's not 180 degree with just that but it improved his you could see improvements in blood flow in his frontal lobe and his parietal lobe even five years after this massive massive brain injury that's an important point. Five years after, because a lot of people ask me, well, do I have to have had it in the first few months? And I say, no, no, you know, you no. can, it can be yes. effect even. Not too late. And uh, there's an- another evidence of that. We did um, a-, a study with 30 retired NFL football players. So now fast forward, these guys are in their 50s and 60s. And it's been like 10, 20 years since they've played football, but s- terrible looking brains. I mean, really severe damage. And they're starting to have depression. They're starting to have memory problems. They're headed towards dementia. And what we did for them was we gave them supplements. We gave them a healthier diet, uh, treated, high, uh, treated sleep apnea yes. if needed, yep. um, and then hyperbaric oxygen for some of them as well. And after six months, we were able to rescan their brains, significant improvement. Their wow. quality of life was better, less depression, less anxiety, less depression depression uh, or less um, anger less anger and better processing speed wow so it's not it's not too late this is really exciting I've, I've got a brother who was a professional rugby player and he's had yeah. a number of brain injuries and I've been trying to get him in the hyperbaric because I have a chamber oh, and I, he I've needs that <laughs> I'm gonna make get in there this podcast because he won't get in it <laughs> and I, I, I think it's um you know what, what really frustrates me is this is a very um, simple, so, you know, there are, there are, there's a, the medical grade hyperbaric facilities, which you have a lot mm-hmm. of in America, and then there are mild hyperbaric uh, chambers, mm-hmm. 
and you know in yeah. New Zealand it's very hard to get access to the medical grade ones we have them in Auckland and Christchurch hospital but they won't they do not believe they are um, of benefit for brain injury which is just mm -hmm. absolute tragedy. ridiculous same here same yeah, here. Oh, huh? yeah. <laughs> <There's only> <laughs> 60 years worth of studies um, <laughs> I just don't get it it's frustrating um, and there was one clinic here in the South Island of New Zealand, one a Dr. Tim Ewer, who has had a, a, a proper chamber, you know, a medical grade mm -hmm. chamber. And he's just shut his doors after 15 years because he's sick of all the, the regulations and the problems associated oh, with it. I've heard um, secondhand. And this is the most powerful, like if I had not had this for mum, I do not think I would have got her back. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did 250 sessions with her, wow. and wow. I ended up opening a mild hyperbaric clinic here, so uh -huh. I get to you know get, get awesome. my local people access to it, um, mm -hmm. and I'm a really big advocate for it. I've, I've since sold the clinic, but it's now available for mm. other people. Um, That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah, great. but it's not. It, it it's using mild hyperbaric. So yeah, um, which which That's a brain fine. injury, you know, 1.5 atmospheres is is, is Mm -hmm. You know, um, according to Dr. Hart, who you probably know, yeah. mm -hmm. um, says is ideal. Obviously, for, for other injuries, a, a little bit higher pressure would be would be better. Um, but um, it's so it's so important to share this message that this is yeah. a very powerful, um, and if you have access to it in your local mm -hmm. area. Um, and it's not just for brain injury, is it? It is for other things. No, no, it's especially for strokes. I'm so glad you did that. I'm kind of curious when she noted, started noticing improvement along that 250 sessions, if it was early on and it continued to improve or later on. We had the first 33 sessions at a commercial dive company oh. who um, kindly allowed me to use their facility. Wow. Um, wow. So I had to sign legal waivers and so on. Um, and I, I, as soon as I got her out of the hospital, the day I got her out of the hospital, and she was like, you know, 24-7 care, she was completely gone with it. Mm. Um, mm. I took her down to the factory, put her on a forklift in the middle of this factory and stuck her in the chamber, much to everybody <laughs> thought I was nuts, right? There's nobody knew what this was. We had 33 treatments at that place, and... Um, in the month following, the, the chamber then got taken off overseas on a contract and I lost access to it. And so for a mm. month, I had no chamber while I was ordering uh, one from, this, from China. Mm. And in that month is where I saw huge gains as her body caught mm. up. With, and she right. Have, yes, it's cumulative. Yes. Mm -hmm. She started to have more speech, uh, uh, wanting to move her arms and, and trying to communicate and... Um, so it wasn't like up and, up and walking or, or anything like mm -hmm. that immediately, but she was starting to have a little bit of intention to what she wanted and, and was trying to communicate and so on. Uh -huh. See that this was awesome. And then yeah. as she came back, then I had more to work with, mm -hmm. with other things. And unfortunately, I didn't have spec scans. I wish I, wish I could have had spec scans all the way through mm -hmm. this. Um, yeah. To, to prove, you know, document, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that this this was what what was happening, um, mm -hmm. yeah. So the, the hyperbarics, you know, mostly it, we have the same problem in the U.S. as far as access. So there are a lot of clinics with the mild hyperbaric, and I think it works great. And I I recommend people we can 
they can rent chambers for a couple of months and try and get in those 40 to 80 yeah. hours in the chamber. And I see it work all the time. I, I would, I tend to layer it in. That's mm -hmm. kind of a clinical pearl is like, if you have the finances and resources and have access to it, there's no reason not to do it anywhere along the process, but because it is time intensive and costly, um, at least make sure you have the other elements in first, nutrition, yeah. supplements, physical alignment, sleep, start to rehabilitate with uh, brain exercises and, and add in hyperbaric if there's any plateauing along the way, maybe after a couple of months after starting the nutrients. That's what I recommend yeah. often. So let, yeah, let's go into this the, the the methodology here a little bit and dig deeper into um, when I, when I was doing my research, I tried to get her on you know the good fats, MCT oils, mm -hmm. fish oils, yeah. um, that sort of thing. Awesome. Like at the beginning, she could hardly eat because she couldn't chew. So most of her nutrition was um, green smoothies, whatever I could get down here. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so, yeah, nutrition-wise, what are some of the supplements that we can, because whatever you do before you go into hyperbaric um, will be intensified, won't it? Like, mm -hmm. you're having, um, you know, things like vitamin C infusions or anything like yeah. that. Is, yes. is, is that a good, is that, a, for example, a good thing to be doing? Um, and, you yeah. know, do you IVs prior to... Yeah? Hyperbaric and MCT prior to hyperbaric. And essentially, um, a ketogenic diet, with hyperbaric is I think enhances the whole they they're synergistic yes. um, they both have antioxidant and anti-inflammatory effects and they both increase uh, healing of the mitochondria turning on genes um, so the whole reason I think that ketogenic diet is worth looking at it's not right for everyone you always want to check with your doctor before starting yeah. it but it's it's not just for weight loss. It's kind of a fad right now in the U.S. Is it in New Zealand? Yes, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> across the world, pretty much. Um, and it's a it's a low fat or it's a low carbohydrate diet, less than thirty grams of carbs a day, which isn't much. No. And so that forces the body to burn fats for fuel. Your brain is very hungry, using twenty to thirty percent of calories in your diet, which is like a quarter of your plate. Think yeah. about it. Two yeah. percent of your body weight brain using. 20 to 30% of calories in your diet. It's so hungry. But yet when there's injury or there's some neurological problem, typically there's a metabolic deficit. The brain is not able to use as much fuel as mitochondria are damaged, the brain is damaged. And so the ketone bodies, which are produced from a ketogenic diet, don't take as many steps to get into the brain to be used as fuel. Whereas sometimes the glucose transporters are damaged, like in dementia, and brain injury, there's a lot of correlates between the two. There's difficulty in utilizing and accessing glucose for this hungry organ. You know, right after brain injury, there's this metabolic deficit, this drop in glucose metabolism after about 10 to 30 minutes, which wow. continues to stay low for weeks. Oh. And so this hungry organ now can't, doesn't have enough glucose. That's part mm -hmm. of the problem. That's the whole problem. I mean, that is part of what causes Demetra, isn't it? When you um, if we dive into like insulin resistance caused mm -hmm. you know, by a bad diet for many years, um, leading to or contributing to um, Alzheimer's and dementia. So this mm -hmm. is, a, is a similar effect happening with a brain injury, but, but a bit quicker. Yeah. Um, exactly. So we can't get the glucose in. So it's really, really crucial. 
if you are not on a you know a, um, a keto diet and you just add in exogenous ketones, mm-hmm. is that enough? Is that um, going to benefit? That's a great question. I think it's worth trying. Um, the research doesn't, it's unclear in my mind because um, they've tried giving, so there's a study because they had patients in comas and they gave them, because they know about this metabolic deficit, uh, they gave them IV glucose thinking, oh, let's oh. just give them glucose. Um, and what happened was it suppressed their little bit of ketone production. They had like 16% um ketones yes which were fueling the brain a little bit and that totally squashed that and so a little bit so it's not the answer we need to shift towards burning fats for fuel burning ketones for fuel um so adding exogenous ketones there's various studies where they've um i think added lactate and different sort of fuel sources and so far haven't been that successful um i think was probably the best I mean, if I had a brain injury myself or my loved ones, my family members, I'm giving them exogenous ketones right away, yeah. you know, keto OS or some sort of product. Um, and and uh, just in the hopes that they're getting some more fuel for their brain with all of the nutrients that they should be receiving. Um, but it, it's if you're on a ketogenic diet, MCTs and the exogenous ketones absolutely enhance the process. If you're eating a crap diet, lots of sugar, processed foods, I don't think it's going to help much. Which is a standard hospital fear, you know, things like, yeah. sugar, you know, like we had those little <laughs> sure, and I'm like, you know, not high sugar. Back, um, I, I didn't find that out, unfortunately, during the, the initial mm. process. But what I did do is at least I bought in my own smoothies and made my own concoctions while she was. Oh, that's awesome. They allowed you to do that. Yeah, yeah well, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I didn't always ask permission, Dr. Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> so what you have to do. I thought yeah. the, um, DHA, um, DHA and, you know, and fish oils and, and things like that, um, awesome. as well. And I, um, I, I wish I'd known more earlier, um, mm-hmm. some of these things, you know, I did later on as I, as I, as I got more and more research. Um, but mm-hmm. I think, so if you can't get the, the patient to, to do a ketogenic diet, um, at mm-hmm. least try with the exogenous ketones yeah. would be the message. Right, and do a lower carb diet. And lower you know, carb diet. No yeah. sugar, just you know, it can be in a stepwise process. First, cut out all extra sugar, no cookies, cakes, candy, sweets, especially right after an injury or at any point. Then, second step would be protein at each meal mm-hmm. meat, eggs, grass fed, beef, chicken, whatever. Um, then, adding more vegetables and then more healthy fats, avocados, coconut oil, and so. Even doing that, like, is there studies showing that if someone, excuse me, these are actually animals who were on a high sugar diet compared to those who were on a normal rat chow diet, and then given a brain injury, those on a high sugar diet, those rats had a lot more concussive symptoms and took longer to recover. This is, I think, you know, um, transgressing a little bit into dementia and Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. also a huge epidemic. And the thing is, you can see this coming 10 years down the track you yes. know like, this is also a very important point for and um you know i have the broken brain series by dr hyman and and um a lot of the experts in that, that area um dementia or in alzheimer's is known as the type 3 diabetes mm-hmm. and um, understanding the influence of um sugar 
and insulin resistance and not getting enough glucose, as we mentioned before, um, is something that people can do to protect their brain health now, you know, years out from actually developing the disease, which is really, you know, late in the piece. Yes, exactly. So for elderly people, especially, you know, trying to keep your brain function going, if you're noticing memory changes and, and this sort of thing, at least cut the sugar out of your diet as much as you can. Obviously, it's in, every, it's, in every, it's in so much, you know, and this is the, mm -hmm. the insidious problem. And in a lot of, with um, older people, you know, they've eaten the, the meat and three veggies and the, the white bread and the, Right. All the things they go, but that's not sugar, you know. Right. <laughs> well, I had a, I had a patient who, um, I think she was about seventy-five when she came in. Her son brought her in, mm -hmm. and she had moved to the area from, I think, Indiana or Chicago, somewhere in the Midwest. And um, she had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and uh, was prescribed Aricept medication, sort of get your things in order, and see you later. That was kind of it. It's very sad, the current approach to yes. dementia. And understandably, the doctors may not have a lot of options. They've got their meds, but we do have more options, actually. And so she came in. We assessed her. Yep, you've got mild cognitive impairment, maybe early stages of Alzheimer's. She was living in a, a retirement home, and she's near a little downtown. Couldn't remember how to get down a few blocks to the downtown to do her shopping. She had to draw maps and... She couldn't remember her list, even if she was just like three things, had to write lists, and uh, was having a lot of difficulties. So when she came in, we put her on this program, great program, supplements, nutrition, exercise, uh, and let's see you back in a month. So, oh, and, and cut out your sugar because she, she wasn't overweight. So she thought, ah, I'm, I, can, I deserve to have my you know, at the retirement home, my treats, you know, she had a frappuccino at breakfast, she's oh. having ice cream and cookies, because it's free, it's just like at the retirement home, oh, yeah. self-serve ice cream, I said, you got to cut out the sugar, just cut out the sugar, let's do that first, try and eat more protein and less carbs, which is, like you mentioned, take the bun off the burger, just, even if it's not, like, the best quality meat, just, that's fine, just cut out the carbs first, and so she came back uh, a month later, and she was now able to, even just a month, she's able to find her way downtown. Wow. And she could remember that at least three things on her list. She couldn't remember everything, but three things she could remember. And I said, I'm patting myself on the back. Oh my God, you, you did everything. My, pro, my protocol is like perfect. And she's like, I didn't take any of the supplements that you recommended. <laughs> Oh boy, and I didn't do the exercise, uh, uh -huh. but I did cut out the sugar. And just, just cut that it long. Just, just that cut long. It. In one diet. Mm -hmm. One in one month, you saw a change. Did she yes. subsequently do the rest? So <laughs> then she was willing to do more, and so each thing she added, like we added curcumin, we added uh, a brain supplement that had ginkgo and huperzine. Each thing she added, she got a little bit more improvement over the subsequent months. And that's what I found. Folks, you know, they may be a little mistrustful, and so they want to try just one thing at a time. And luckily, that was the thing that was really slowing her progress down. 
and improve. Oh man, that's so exciting, you know, like to see, you know, and you get people that have been on drugs and they've tried things and they have just, and, and these are not dangerous things to cut out sugar and take a few supplements, you know, like we're not asking <laughs> to do some hyperbaric. Right, the side effect is better health overall. I exactly, mean, there's no side you know, and that is always going to benefit your brain. If any time that you are, you mentioned curcumin, um, which is in your turmeric, uh, which is another thing that I, I, I still mm -hmm. have on and I'm on. Great. Um, what are some of the other su supplements? Like if, is there a list of um, mm -hmm. supplements that you give out as a standard or do you tailor them to each particular patient? Everyone's tailored, but there are some that I keep coming back to. Okay. Uh, because Let's they work. Those so that our, okay. our Yes. Well, NAC is probably available there as a supplement. Yes. N acetylcysteine. Yep. Precursor to glutathione, anti inflammatory. <clears throat> and just a little piece of information, too. Um, they did this double blind placebo controlled trial in 2013 where they had active service members who had a concussion, like in the field. So they mm -hmm. had a, a IED blast or something yep. and then were carried or taken to the medic and they gave them NAC. Well, this yep. is a double blind trial. So NAC or placebo. And they were given a lot of it. And I'll tell you the dose in a second. Mm -hmm. uh, eight, after a week, 86% of them like recovered from their concussive symptoms, whereas 42% recovered who weren't given NAC. Wow. wow. And so they were given four grams immediately. Uh, days one through four, they were given two grams twice a day. And days five through seven, they were given 1.5 grams twice a day. So that's like an acute protocol. But NAC is important even after the fact, because many of, even though the research is mostly on acute brain injury, mm -hmm. uh, we know the mechanisms. Many of them are exactly the same in chronic brain injury and concussion. And so they apply. So NAC applies, curcumin. Definitely. NAC um, um, is N-acetylcysteine, uh, for anybody right. who doesn't know what that, that, that means. Okay, and curcumin, which is your, in your turmeric. Mm -hmm. so what sort of doses for, for that one? Uh, I would do uh, about 1,000 milligrams a day of a high-quality wow. one. And um, it needs to be, you can use that acutely and also chronically. It helps to open up aquaporins. So these are water channels in the brain and de can de decrease swelling, which is especially important acutely for brain injury. Like there's this pastor who was in a car accident, I always remember. And uh, two weeks later, he, he thought he was fine. Went to the ER, checked out, you're fine. No brain bleed, good. And he went home, he was, seemed to be okay. But two weeks later, he couldn't write a sermon. Mm -hmm. And I think what happened is the swelling was very gradual and slow, not enough to be life-threatening, but Eventually, it pushed on some of the brain regions, the temporal lobes, frontal lobes, and he started having cognitive problems. So there can be this delayed. Delayed response, which is logical. You know, like when you cut yourself, you don't see the swelling straight away. You see it mm -hmm. a day or two as it goes into the healing process. Exactly. Uh, vitamin, vitamin D is important. So as a fat-soluble vitamin, almost more like a hormone. Mm -hmm. um, turns on many different genes and helps modulate inflammation in the brain. Uh, vitamin C. I use 5,000 IUs, vitamin D. Vitamin C 
uh, is um, uh, as a buffered antioxidant water soluble, the brain actually does well with more vitamin C, even though it's just a simple thing everyone knows about it. It really does help decrease inflammation, that oxidative stress <coughs> in the brain. Mm -hmm. um, thousand milligrams at least a day, omega-3 fatty acids. And I like using ones that are higher, a little higher EPA to DHA, which yeah. most are. Um, EPA for inflammation, DHE to help rebuild the neuron and the cell membrane. And we try to use three grams a day of EPA DHA total. And that's what we use in the football player study. Um, uh, MCT oil, of course, you mentioned. Yep. And um, See, other things. Yeah. Fish oil, it's, it's important that you look for a very good quality one. What, what do you what's your take on the oxidative um, problem, you know, with, with the... Yeah. Uh, some of the lower price fish oils um, tend to have mm -hmm. a lot of oxidation going on. Is, right. is, is that as a problem? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, quality is really key, especially for fish oil, like <clears throat> vitamin D, vitamin A, some of these nutrients, there's only a few manufacturers. Like in the, in the U.S., there's only, I think, three places that actually make vitamin E and every other supplement company just packages it up and charges different amounts. <clears throat> <laughs> vitamin E. Omega-3 is not like that. It's really individualized per company and you need to check quality and there can be heavy metals in the fish. It can be oxidized, like you said, if it's not uh, processed properly. So that's when I wouldn't go for the cheap stuff. Okay. Very, very, very good. Mm -hmm. um, talking on heavy metal um, toxicity, sorry, going a little bit off, off track and we'll come back that's to that. Um, I've done hair tissue mineral analysis with mum. She's got like a mercury. Um, oh. Um, what would be your recommendation for getting rid of, you know, chelating these heavy metals out of our out of our body? Is there anything mm -hmm. we can do on a supplement level for that type of thing? Well, yes. Um, so. One, I'll just, there, there's a lot there. Um, first, making sure your organs of elimination are working, mm -hmm. you know, which are organs of elimination are sweating, so the skin, breathing out toxins, pooping out toxins, having good bowel movements and not being constipated, and then urinating them out, staying hydrated and peeing them out. So once all of those are open, then you can start sort of facilitating removal of metals or all toxins. And the fact that she has mercury, she probably has other things too. Um, so solvents, mold should be always assessed for. And so I do love saunas and sweating because Dr. Genius from Canada did a really interesting study where he looked at, so what does sauna do? Like, what is it actually eliminating? And they measured in the sweat of people doing sauna, it eliminates mold, metals, and just chemicals, solvents. So it does all three. Wow. So that's why I love sauna because it's gonna remove all of them. And it's also been shown, study out of Finland, um, if you're doing sauna more frequently, lower chances of dementia. In fact, uh, was it 2,000 Finnish men or 20,000? There was a lot of them in any case. And after they followed them over many years, and they found that the more saunas that they did, like five to seven days a week, they had 30% less risk of Alzheimer's versus wow. those that just did it one day a week. So wow. it, 
multiple reasons to do saunas and sweating. And actually in the same study through exercise sweat, also cleansing and detoxifying. So the fact that you're a runner and running all that you have been is cleansing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I exercise, you know, is a, is a, is a huge um, piece of this puzzle for brain injury um, as mm -hmm. well as, you know, detoxifying. And, and, and I totally, as someone who sweats every single day pretty much of their life, um, <laughs> And I, I like even even um, compared just to my my siblings, mm -hmm. um, I can see lots of things happening in their bodies that isn't happening in mine yet. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. I believe a lot of it is the the daily sweating, the daily yeah. blood flow, the oxygenation mm -hmm. of the tissues. The, yes, um, that these yes. things are hugely important for um, and also for you know cognitive stuff as well. Like with mum. I have her doing at least two hours of aerobic activity, very low level. We're talking on a stationary bicycle and walking. Um, that's all she can manage, obviously, at, at, at 78. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, two hours a day. And Awesome. Yeah. That's much awesome. Better, you know, sometimes she doesn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Got to crack the whip. Yeah. I'm definitely the drill sergeant. <laughs> That oxygen, that movement, that is very, very, very important, mm -hmm. I believe, in, Absolutely. in preparing her, her brain. Yeah, so, that's key. Exercise is so important. Increasing blood flow, it increases, especially intense aerobic exercise, increases BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is yeah. like miracle growth for the neurons. And the more intense, the more you produce. Um, and there's supplements that increase BDNF a little bit, medications a little bit, but Exercise trumps them all. It does, yep. Absolutely, much more. What about nerve growth factor? Is that also influenced by? Exercise? Nerve growth factor? Yeah. Yes, also, um, same. Influenced by exercise, interval training will increase nerve growth factor. Um, and like you said, increasing blood flow um, in general is, is needed. And this is aerobic exercise versus anaerobic or strength training um, and then you know I was just going to say about this cleansing effective exercise an endurance athlete like you probably does sweat you know for 45 minutes or so but uh, folks like your average person like myself I may go for a 15 minute run I'm not going to sweat as much as I would in a sauna so no. just keep that in mind so people listening um, just because you're doing a little bit of sweating, that's probably not enough if you really have a problem with toxicity. You'd want to actually do some sun and sweat for a really good sweat for 20 to 40 minutes, several times a week. Yeah, that's something, uh, a problem I have with mum, like I couldn't put her in a sauna. Um, I don't mm. know why, but she has um, temperature regulation problems. Hmm. Um, is that a brainstem? Hypothalamus, brainstem, yeah. probably damaged. Yeah. So hypothalamus is your like, thermostat <laughs> yeah well she seems to have no tolerance to heat she's good in mm. the cold but as soon as the heat um like we're in the middle of summer here and it's a struggle oh. at the moment so her cognitive abilities do decline and quite quickly hmm. she overheats is there anything you can do for that i'm not sure um how does she do with cold she's much better with cold Copes mm. very well with cold uh, yeah. But he just, you know, like her, her ability to walk and so on is, is, is impaired mm -hmm. quite uh, Yeah, I, I would say, may, just may not be able to do the sweating, but 
it's interesting that she does well with cold and maybe do even pushing that further and considering cold therapy mm, like, cry, cry sort like of water bath yeah like wim hof you know sort yeah. of ice man training <laughs> love that as well do do mm -hmm. that as well it's really interesting so and i i think these extremes and change is mm -hmm. is, is the key factor here too stimulating yeah. yeah and and because if you think about it we we came from you know in our uh, caveman days we were exposed to the elements we were exposed to coal we weren't comfortable all day in a comfortable yeah. temperature and i think right. you know having exposure to what was natural is often mm -hmm. a benefit and being connected. a bit of stress yep. helps us to become more resilient and stronger i totally couldn't agree more exercise cold and hot um challenging the brain brain training you know all of these are really important absolutely so going back to the um supplement regime is there anything mm -hmm. else that we because we sort of went off sure tangent was there anything else that you'd say is a must-have if you've got a brain injury there so alpha gpc really important for acetylcholine uh and after stroke 1200 milligrams um gotta do that so i don't know if she's taking alpha gpc but that's worth a try have her on acetylcholine is that different yeah. to alpha gpc phosphatidylcholine um no acetylcholine acetylcholine so the acetylcholine is an actual neurotransmitter that you're trying to make um so acetyl l-carnitine yes uh, i have in the past had her on that is that good mm -hmm. yep. that is also good helps the mitochondria um yeah alpha gpc will help you her make more acetylcholine and also help the neuron uh phosphatidylserine is another really good one for memory um there's not as much research on that for brain injury but i i still think it's really helpful for memory and cognition because 10 percent of your brain is made out of this phosphatidylserine it's in the cell membranes okay, I and, uh, that one. and yeah that's okay over the counter as a supplement it's very i give it to kids i mean it's so safe this stuff but it really is helpful um alpha gpc uh, potentially, so ginkgo, 120 milligrams to 240 of ginkgo biloba extract, really good for blood flow. Um, Huperzine A, Chinese club moss, is a natural acetylcholine esterase inhibitor. So it sort of increases your body's own acetylcholine. Um, I wouldn't give that for acute brain injury, but chronic brain injury, dementia, any other so, chronic. How do you spell that one? Huperzine. Huperzine. H. U-P-E-R-Z-I-N-E-A. It's um, Chinese club moss. It's from Chinese club moss. And um, it's, it's a helpful one. Well, you have to go out and actually buy concussion rescue because this, all, you <laughs> know, this sort of level of information in, in one single setting is, is sitting is, is... There's a lot. I, I mean, I, I spent months and months researching to come up with the bits and pieces that I came up with. And you've mm -hmm. written a book that actually gives people a, a first aid kit for brain yeah. injury and a protocol right. to follow. Yeah. And, and this is just so exciting, you know. Um, I'd love to. Thank you. If, if you were down the road, I'd love to go mm -hmm. on a speaking tour with you and give like the experiential yeah. side of it and, and then the clinical side of it. Wouldn't that be just fabulous? Let's do it.
I'll come down to New Zealand. I've been wanting, needing an excuse, so. Oh, please. Oh, that would, like, talk afterwards. <laughs> or I'll come to America and, 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 and oh, because this, we, we're talking millions of people being affected by brain injury every year. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and most people are not given anything except, you know, the, the mm -hmm. well, not even the diet recommendations. Like, right, the basics. Um, it's, it's frustrating. It's and frustrating. Sad, and there are just so many people suffering in silence, and mm -hmm. and it's an insidious thing because with brain injuries, as with dementia, you don't see on the outside the the mm -hmm. stuff that's going on. So a lot of the people that right. come through our hyperbaric clinic would be mm -hmm. so in tears that people don't. When I understood the mm. pain that they were going through, because people could not see an injury if it's a young man and he looks healthy and he can't stand the light and he can't stand the noise and he can't, he's fatigued all the time. Mm -hmm. And people are just thinking you're being a wimp, you know? Right. And, this and he starts to wonder, what's wrong with me? Maybe I am a wimp. Maybe I'm, yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's so sad. And then things like yeah. depression and personality changes where we think someone's just become a horrible person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, when yeah. they're dealing with um, really cognitive problems um yeah so having an uh, having understanding for people who have dementia who have personality changes who have um mm -hmm. things going on that, that it, it may be not their fault you know right um, yes and, yeah have i have to say that's one benefit of having the ability to do imaging or at least some kind of cognitive t tool or test but the imaging is just so powerful because when you show someone their brain and you show their family members their brain, that's when the tears come because it's like, oh my God, it's not only diagnostic, but it's therapeutic. They understand, it's just, it is, there is, a, there is, a, there is an injury. Yes. And it's a medical it's problem. It's a physical injury and they can see it and they feel, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it's not all my fault and I'm not being a neurotic or, or you know, being, mm -hmm. being told there's nothing wrong with you. Get on with it. Right. And they right. know instinctively that there's something wrong but nobody's believing them. And that is very, very painful. And yes. I, I, I wish we had spec scans here. We don't have access to them. And mm -hmm. I wish I'd had that through the journey to be able to yeah. what we yeah. um, I'm just thinking what else is available. You know, there's cognitive testing that can be done just to document difficulty in memory and, and focus and things. Um, can you do that have, without a, a, you know, a clinician or do you? Yeah. Um, you can do on our website, brainhealthassessment.com. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if it, there's a fee or it's not, it doesn't cost very much to do. And you can measure where you're at as far as, you know, focus, memory, different aspects. Um, in the clinic, we use something called Web Neuro, and that's a, a web-based cognitive test that people do. It's computerized, it measures attention, memory, also emotion. And this brain health assessment is the exact same test. So wow. it's, it's, it's high quality um, and uh, there's pencil paper tests and there's also labs that can be done to measure if there's damage to the pituitary gland. It's a whole other issue oh. because 25 to 50% of people with a history of brain injury have damage to the pituitary gland. It's their master hormone gland. Oh. And okay. maybe a little more accessible. Let's, uh, let's dive into this. So hormone okay. disruption from pituitary. Yeah. So right. what are the labs that you could do to, to yeah. Whether you have, and how do you yeah. talk the doctor into doing them? 
that's half the battle, isn't it? Um, I would I would just say you know bring in the research. There's plenty of studies showing that you know uh, this is very. Some studies say 25, some say 50 percent, some say even more. Um, if there's you know I've had a brain injury, this is what happens, and you can document that by measuring pituitary function and you know it's you can actually measure in a blood work pituitary hormones like for testosterone the precursor or the stimulus is lh and fsh this is on the book too it's in all the labs and stuff um for thyroid instead of having what normally is a high tsh and a low t3 t4 there's actually low tsh and low t3 t4 which means the pituitary is pituitary is not sending the signal to the thyroid gland oh wow is that so um is that causing then the like more reverse t3 and um mm. and it's not docking on the receptor or is it oh you're very sophisticated with your knowledge <laughs> that's great i'm impressed um trying to work out thyroid because this yeah. is part of mum's problem and right um, high reverse t3 Yes, I've, I've been arguing with the doctor again and again. I want a full panel and I cannot get a full panel. Oh, I see. Free, they won't do free T3. Um, oh, that's too bad. They do antibodies and TSH and T4, and that's all I can get out of them at the moment. So Right. So if, if, you, do, <laughs> if you just do a TSH, which is a standard for screening, that's not going to tell us really what's going on because you know, it, it, if it's low TSH, they may say, oh, you're fine. It's not to, you know, it's a kind of, yeah. TSH is reverse where if it's low, you're hyperthyroid, if it's high, you're hypothyroid typically, but if you're low, plus your T3 and T4 are low, it's a pituitary issue, actually. Wow. So that's important to know. In any case, looking at ACTH and cortisol is for adrenal. Um, and then of course, testosterone for men, estrogen, progesterone for women, and LH, FSH. Those would probably be the main ones. And just say, hey, doctor, please, please test these labs. Um, you may have to pay out of pocket or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if you have labs where you can just. We, yeah, we do have um, basic labs. But if you want anything, you know, things like cortisol, I do regularly and, and that you have to pay for. Um, right. So someone like, like Mama's obviously got adrenal issues. So, mm -hmm. um, but. Sure. Like things like estrogen, LH, FSH, um, mm -hmm. in, in an older female, that would be... Oh, it's going to be high. You know, it's, it's different than... than and, yeah. um, True. So how would I read? That's, very, that's a very deep clinical question. Well, <laughs> I, <laughs> if it's low, then, then there's pituitary issues. It should be high in menopause. After oh. You're going to have high LH. What happens is the, S, the, the ovaries stop producing estrogen, but the brain thinks it still, they still should be. So the brain sends a lot of LH and FSH down to the ovaries. And so it, that's how you know you're in menopause if you have high LH and FSH. So then if you measure those after menopause and it's really low, that would be very unusual. Uh -huh. okay. That would be, oh, the pituitary is not working. Uh huh. And and if if the pituitary is not working, is there anything you can do about that? Oh, great question. All of these things should help heal the pituitary. Um, actually, uh, balancing the hormones. So adding in estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Um, looking at growth hormone. That's the other one I forgot to mention. 
if growth hormone is low, that's very common in pituitary damage um, and can really, ex if you can increase growth hormone, that helps with healing of the whole brain and the body. Wow. Um, best done through exercise again. Uh, and so, and then taking the supplements, putting the brain in a healing environment will help the pituitary to also heal. So that's the supplements, diet, exercise, hyperbaric. So the hyperbaric um, is very helpful for pituitary damage as well. That's really good. Growth hormone, um, actually taking a, a supplement, is, that, is there any danger with that in regards to cancer? I always talk with people about that. Like if you had a tumor and you have lots of growth hormone, you might potentiate growth of a tumor. Yes. Um, so that's like balancing the two. It's like, do we want lots of growth factors or do we want to keep, like there's this whole thing about low calorie diet and low IGF-1, which is a marker for growth hormone. Mm -hmm. There's this feel there, you know, so it, it's really a balance of the two. It's not one or the other. Yeah. Um, I don't actually recommend people do growth hormone because you can become dependent on it. And it's expensive. It's like um, over $1,000 a month, something like that. Mm -hmm. But you can, again, exercise. There's supplements, ornithine, arginine, uh, this product called Tri-Amino. There's various companies that make it, and there's three uh, amino acids that are helpful in making um, growth hormone. Oh, I'm taking right. it bedtime. Yep. So like yeah. valine, isoleucine, that type of thing, or? Yeah, uh, I think it's arginine, ornithine, and there's one other. Arginine. But it's three amino acids in particular, without other amino acids. You just want those three, just and on an empty stomach. And if you're really going for it, I talk about this in the book, but um, prior to exercise or empty stomach at night, because you grow, produce most of your growth hormone at night when you're in deep sleep. That's why deep sleep is so, it's one of the reasons why it's so important. Wow. This is, I hope people are listening because I've just done a couple of podcast episodes on sleep and the importance of sleep. And oh, good. When you um, don't have enough sleep. And, um, <laughs> And growth hormone is one of those things, and your hormone regulation in general. Um, uh, I was going to go, oh, sleep apnea, you mentioned there briefly, mm -hmm. uh, or sleep disruption. Um, sleep apnea was another big key uh, for mums. Oh, good. Yes. So I, I worked out when I was in hospital, was she still in hospital? Um, she'd been on oxygen mm. in Wellington, and when they transferred her to New Plymouth, she was taking off the supplemental oxygen and I noticed a decline in her, um, what, what was already terrible, but was even worse. Mm. And I tried to get them to put the supplemental back ox oxygen back on and they wouldn't. And I've had experience oh. with um, um, altitude, uh, racing at altitude. And I'd been in a hypoxic, oh. uh, hypoxic tent at night where uh -huh. the oxygen and I oh. had, make giving myself a hypoxic brain concussion a few years ago uh going up too high too fast because i was impatient i, I slept six and a half thousand meters every night all night wow. uh, knocked off a lot of brain cells have have hypoxic um huh. you know, hypoxic brain concussion and w during that time when i did this i had a whole lot of infections because the bacteria in the body oxygen deficit mm -hmm. And so I was recognizing some of these mum when she was in the mm -hmm. hospital still. And so my brain went tick, 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 apnea, sleep apnea, because she was sleeping, of course, 20, 21 hours a day. Oh. Um, and the was doctor it? again said, no, she, you don't need to do a sleep apnea test. And I went and got an outside consultant, brought him in. 
I got in big trouble. I don't, didn't really care. Um, Gordon <laughs> was outside the and he did a test and it came back severe sleep apnea. And, and from my research into sleep wow. apnea, um, there are a lot of people who are suffering from sleep apnea who are not aware that they're suffering mm -hmm. from sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. Do you think this is also a massive contributor to brain injury? Oh, absolutely. Brain problems in general. I think um, luckily people are recognizing it more and screening more and needs to be done. If you're, sleep, if you're sleeping a lot like your mom was or not feeling rested or waking up at night a lot. In fact, my father, who has had chronic sleep problems, I've tried to give him every supplement under the sun, can't seem to get his sleep under control. He just did a sleep study. It turns out he has mild sleep apnea and that was causing him to wake up frequently throughout the night. Wow, that's interesting, yeah. isn't it? And, mm -hmm. and things like even like adrenal uh, exhaustion, you know, your cortisol levels going up in the middle of the night. Um, yes. Like that type of thing. I mean, we, we, I'm very much into, you know, breathing exercises and um, trying to get the parasympathetic nervous system, blue blocking yeah. cars at night, all of those things that contribute to good um, sleep health, in my view, um, being very important. Um, again, yeah. on a tangent, we, in our company, we do epigenetic testing. Um, and uh, this looks oh, at cool. person's uh, genetics and how they're expressing right now. And one of the key things there is to understand what time of the day the, the chronobiology um, uh, is very, uh, very important. So if your hormones are replacing yeah. between five and six in the morning and you're getting up at 5 a.m. to do a CrossFit workout, that can be very detrimental to your health as well. You know? Right. Shift <laughs> work so and true. Health. Um, look, Dr. Carbrand, I know that you've got to go shortly. Um, I just want to, where can people reach out to you? And I, I definitely want to talk to you further because this mm -hmm. is the most fascinating conversation I think I've ever had. Um, and so exciting. I can't wait for the book to arrive in the post. Um, where can people reach you? Where can they get the book? Um, and what are the next steps for people who are suffering from brain injury? Well, great. Um, I've really enjoyed talking with you too. I can feel your passion and excitement to help others. And that's what my heart's about too, because your brain is like, that's everything. Yeah. That's who we are. It's our personality. That's why I do this work is to help people recover and optimize their brain function because I want you to be able to share your gifts with the world and just be yourself. And um, it's never too late. Like to end with that, it's never too late to at least try and help heal your brain from brain injury. You and your mother are proof of that. I'm so excited to read your book as it comes out next month. Congratulations. Uh, you can find my book, Concussion Rescue. It's out, just released uh, January 28th on Amazon. There's an audible version for people who want to listen to it. We recorded a, um, a video series that's available um, beginning of February on the book at Amen University, it's available there. Um, and I'm at Amen Clinics Northwest in Seattle. You can just Google that, Amen Clinics Northwest and Seattle location, there's clinics all around the country. And- uh, Like personally as well? Do I have my own website? Yeah. I, I don't, I tried no. to and I'm not <laughs> that tech savvy, so. <laughs> okay, you must, you must, you must get you, get, get, get you. Uh, Gotta get me going there. Yeah, you do. Modern age. <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook too. Excellent. So people can reach you, Dr. Dr. Carbon Charpik, Charpik, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, 
Um, concussion rescue. I will put. I will get all those links from you, Dr. Carbon, um, yeah. to share with the audience. Um, and if I can help with any way, shape, or form with getting this book out there, uh, we've got to make this a, a, a bestseller right around the world because this is this is absolutely crucial work that you're doing. And I'm really, really, really stoked that I've had you on the show. Thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Carbon. My pleasure. Great to be with you. <laughs> If you really enjoyed that interview with Dr. Charpeck, make sure you go and get that book, Concussion Rescue, a must-read for anyone with a brain, really. Um, and I also wanted to remind you, my book, Relentless, is coming out on the 11th of March and is available now for pre-order if you want to grab it. You're also going to get, at the moment, uh, for the next couple of weeks, access to my Mental Toughness and Mindset Academy if you buy the book in the next couple of weeks so that's a value of $275 that course so please go and check that out at lisatamati.com and hit on the shop button uh, if you want to help with your health with epigenetics we have an epigenetics testing program which I mentioned briefly in the show if you want to find out what that is all about please head over to our programs page we've got three flagship programs we've got the Mindset U we've got the epigenetics and we've got the Run Training Academy so please check it all that out Head over to lisatarmody.com and don't forget to give the show a rating and review and share it with your friends. Thanks, guys. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmody.com.